Chapter 2 Finn called a voice from below. She ignored it. The voice called again and a shadowed figure stepped into the courtyard. Finn raised two fingers to her mouth and whistled. Peter Lamy looked up and followed the sound. Like his form crossing the courtyard, Peter was vague and difficult to define. He held his words close and was content with his silence in a way uncommon to a boy of seventeen. While Finn always had an opinion and a need to voice it, Peter was a quiet companion, a good listener. They were two sides of a coin, one a stark profile and the other an obscure symbol of the mentor's affiliation. She gave another short whistle and Peter Lamy clambered up the ladder into the tower. Well, Sister Hilda's going to skin you, he said. Well, I've had it with her and her waggling nose. Finn maintained her solemn consideration of the countryside. Besides, I'm not hungry. Well, she won't let us eat till we're all at the table. You know that. Finn knew. That was precisely the point. Her lips lifted into the slightest grin as she pictured Sister Hilda sitting at the table, fuming over her whereabouts. But it wasn't fair to the rest of those waiting to eat, and she knew that too. Finn sighed with irritation. Fine, let's go. Inside the dining hall, the sisters, Brother Bartimaeus, and twenty-four orphans stared hungrily at two platters piled high with roasted pork and a kettle of stewed carrots. When Finn moseyed in and made her way to her seat, she was pleasantly satisfied by the distinct twitch of irritation in Sister Hilda's nose. "'Miss Button, thank you for joining us,' said Sister Hilda. "'You will see me after the meal. Let us pray.' For the next twenty minutes, the room was full of the smack-smack and the mm-hmm of well-enjoyed food. Brother Bartimaeus ate quietly with a grin on his face, while Sister Hilda paid more attention to the orphan's table etiquette than to her own plate. Sister Carmeline, on the other hand, ate every bite as if fearing it might be her last. Carmeline Babb, Hilda's elder sister and the official headmistress of the Ebenezer Orphan House, was a terrifically fat woman who somehow managed to stay plump, even during lean years when others starved. She didn't glutton the food that anyone ever saw. People just figured the Lord himself had set her ample dimensions, and all the failed harvests and dysentery in the colony wouldn't lighten her. Her cheeks were as rosy as new-picked apples, and the chubbiness of her face made them bunch up against her eyes so that she looked to be forever squinting out at a world that was too bright. Everywhere she went, she bobbled along, humming hymns while orphans scurried here and there trying not to ogle at the vastness of her. When the sounds of dinner died down, Sister Carmeline stood, a state confirmed by the slight vertical elongation of her orb-like physique, and waited for the room to quiet. Finn jabbed Peter with an elbow and rolled his eyes. Carmeline always had a speech. Thank you for your attention, children, and thank you, Brother Bartimaeus, for another heavenly dinner. Nodding heads and smiling faces concurred. Before we adjourn to our beds for the evening, I wish to discuss a few matters. Several orphans rolled their eyes and were each dutifully ignored by Carmeline. I am sure you took notice of the elderly gentleman about the yard today with Sister Hilda and myself. He was, as some of you may know, Brother Bolzius, the mayor of Ebenezer and he was most impressed with the level of order and cleanliness we demand. In fact, he was impressed enough to make a small proposition on behalf of the town. At this, several napping boys sat up to take closer notice of the goings-on. Mr. Bolzius has seen fit to provide the town with a new chapel, and he wishes to build it here on our grounds. This impressed almost no one. He will provide all the necessary materials, and the architect, Mr. Tom Hickory, will oversee construction. However, a detail of able young men chosen from our orphanage will be the chief laborers. You'll all do well to understand that such work may one day lead to an apprenticeship, and that to a fruitful life beyond our walls. 
The eyes of every boy in the room widened with excitement, as did Finn's. Hands shot up all around the table and waved furiously. Order! Hush! Hands down! snapped Sister Hilda. We will consider whom to send to Mr. Hickory in the coming days, so it would behoove the lot of you to be on your best behavior. Carmeline paused to let that sink in and then continued. Now, on to the next matter of business. Brother Bartimaeus requires an assistant. Though he denies it, I continually assure him that he is getting old. Bartimaeus grumbled something unintelligible in his defense. Having someone around to help with the daily preparation of food and clean up after meals will be a relief for his weary bones, explained Carmeline. This not only impressed no one, it seemed to terrify everyone. Children shrank back into the shadows, desperate not to draw any attention that might warrant their being chosen. A doom of endless dishwashing and pot scrubbing was a horror thought to be visited only upon children in the lowest reaches of hell. We will consider this appointment for the next few days, so I suggest that you behave to impress. You're dismissed evening chores, and I will see you all in the morning. Carmeline bobbled out the door, and Hilda took command of the room. Miss Button, you will tend the dishes this evening. Finn knew it was coming and didn't look surprised, though she did afford Sister Hilda the appropriate glare. The rest of you off to your chores. I want horses fed, water hauled, and floors swept within the hour. Dismissed. Hilda clapped her hands together and a flurry of bodies whisked dishes to the cleaning trough and left Finn staring at a mound of scrubbing to be done. A word, Miss Button, said Hilda when the hall was emptied. Finn clenched her teeth and turned with her eyebrows stuck up expectantly. Hilda ignored Finn's obvious irritation. You will do well to learn a thing or two while you attend the dishes. No man will have you as a wife the way you are. The sooner you learn your place and learn your work, the sooner you'll be married off and away. Mind me, Miss Button, this is the way of the world. Finn's inclination was to teach Hilda a thing or two about the world by way of a sharp cuss and a right hook, but she bit her tongue and kept her hands. Yes, ma'am, said Finn with a sarcastic smirk that set Hilda's nose a-quiver. Hilda narrowed her eyes briefly before turning on her toe and marching out of the dining hall with a sniff. When Hilda was out of sight, Peter stuck his head in through the door. Want some help? he said. No, if she catches you helping, she'll just give me more work. I'll see you in the morning. Finn gave him a crooked smile and rolled up her sleeves as he walked out the door. She didn't mind the chore so much. At least it was quiet. Building a new chapel sounded like more fun than she'd had all year. Working with her hands and being out in the sun with the boys, that was where she belonged. Not sitting in sewing class with the girls where the sisters would have her. Who wanted to sit around knitting blankets and spinning yarn when you could be outside building a new chapel? At it again, eh, missy? Finn jumped at the sound of a voice from behind her. Good Lord, Bartimaeus, you nearly scared me to death. He chuckled in his breathy, creaking way as he rolled up his sleeves and began drying dishes as Finn got them clean. He was tall and wiry and bent like a fishhook as his shoulders bowed down to the weight of his years. Whatever hair he had in youth had weathered to silver and long since ceased to cover his head in any meaningful way. Now it just hung on above his ears like moss clung to an old oak. His sun-darkened skin covered him like aged leather, and he was parted everywhere by creases that gave the impression someone had drawn a map on his hide. Finn wondered if there might be buried treasure to find if she studied him long enough. His arms and hands seemed to bear more scars and fading tattoos than original material, but for all his battered coarseness, his way was smooth as water. When he spoke, his voice seeped out like the groan of a ship's timbers. Uh, what did you think of Sister Carmeline's speech? he asked. Could be good work for one this Waylon. He threw his towel onto his shoulder and placed the dried dishes into the cupboard. Finn shrugged. 
Well, at least there'll be something to show for it. I haul water from the well 15 times a day. I sweep floors. I wash linens, feed pigs. And for what? So I can get up and do it all over again tomorrow? Finn had a mind to spit at something, but didn't. But this, this has results. Aye, cooking's got results you can taste. It's nice to see the fruit of your labor. Never tire of it. Nothing does me so good as the table rounded about with mouths at the feast. He wiped his face with a towel and laughed to himself. <laughs> you see that Danny Schumann tonight? Boy can jabber away like a bothered chicken, but he shut it up quick when the pork hit the plate, ain't he? He looked at Finn and lowered an eyebrow. There's some power in a pig when it's roasted upright, Missy. Power, see here? Then his face opened up into a smile and he smacked his lips. Well, I was talking about the chapel, said Finn flatly. Bartimaeus smacked his lips once more, then wrinkled up his face and frowned at the dish he was holding. Oh, hmm, well, of course you were. He returned to drying the dishes. Finn shifted back and forth on her feet in the awkward silence. She'd managed to embarrass the old cook. She felt she ought to make it good somehow, but was almost as out of practice at apology and tact as she was at the spinning wheel. Ah, uh, you run along now, he said. I'll finish this up, and if Sister Hilda bitches hellfire about you being done so soon, you tell her to come deal with me. Go on. Bartimaeus waggled his arm at her. She hesitated a moment, but decided not to give him the chance to change his mind. The next day, the boys at the orphanage turned on their charms for the sisters. Changes from the daily routine didn't come nearly often enough to suit most of them, and the prospect of building a new chapel set even the most mischievous boy straight as an arrow. Danny Schumann came to breakfast in his Sunday best, not that it was significantly better than his Monday worst. Elroy Snell sat next to Sister Hilda and served her plate with the greasiest grin he could muster. He even cleared her place and offered to wash the morning dishes. Some argued that the sisters schemed up the entire situation just to see what sort of behavior the orphans were capable of when they put their minds to it. And all this was preposterous to Finn. From where she sat milking a cow, she saw boys all across the courtyard being overly courteous and working three times harder when Sister Hilda walked by. It made her sick. When she spied even Peter going out of his way to smile at Sister Hilda, she'd had all she could stomach. She picked up the nearest hard object, a horseshoe, and lobbed it at him in irritation. It barely missed him, and Peter's smile turned down into a grimace. Well, what was that for? he demanded. Well, you know bloody well what it was for, Peter Lemie. You never in your years smiled at that woman, and now you're selling your smiles for a few nails and a hammer? You should be ashamed of yourself, acting like the rest of these buggers. Well, it can't hurt to try, said Peter with a mystified shrug. Well, if that's what it takes, you can count me in for another summer's worth of hauling water, milking cows, and spinning silk. I'm not going to prance around here like a grinning idiot. And it'll be a cold day in August before I turn a smile at that old bat. Finn was milking the cow so hard that Peter winced for fear she might pull a teat right off. Around the corner came Sister Hilda. As she passed, Finn gave a good, sharp yank on the teat in her hand. The cow groaned and kicked out a hind leg, narrowly missing Hilda. Hilda's nose shot up and quivered directly at Finn. Miss Button, I suggest you be more careful or you'll have more than dishes to wash this evening. Her nose attempted to calm itself as she spoke. Mr. Lemie, I hardly think Miss Button needs you here to distract her. Yes, ma'am, said Peter and hurried away out of sight. Hilda put her hand on Finn's shoulder and leaned down. Finn's eyes transfixed on Hilda's quivering spike of a nose, and she devoted all her attention to making sure she didn't laugh. Miss Button, I hope you don't have any convoluted notions of going to work on that new chapel. Stone and woodwork is no place for a young woman even one so coarse as yourself. 
Finn flashed her eyes at Hilda, but before she could protest, Hilda raised a finger in warning. Ah, ah, I'll hear none of it. For a moment, Hilda looked almost happy, then she straightened up and stalked off around the corner of the stable. Finn gritted her teeth and glared at the cow. Next time, kick her in the chin, won't you, she said. The cow just swished its tail. Hilda seemed to hate everyone, but she held out a special place in her dark heart for Finn. It would be trouble enough convincing people she could do a man's work, and Sister Hilda intended to make sure she never got the chance. Finn leapt up and ran to the chapel. She flung open the door and climbed the ladder to the bell tower. No one could see her here. It was the one place she felt was her own. The sisters were too old or too large to make the climb, and the other children knew it was against the rules. The empty bell tower lifted her above the walls. A boundless green country rolled out before her, a world free of sisters and rules, a world where she imagined she could do as she pleased and be who she was, and no one could tell her how to dress or talk or act. How she might ever enter that world and make it her own was a problem she hadn't yet solved.